we are continuing on with Made New on Wednesday nights. And so we started the beginning of the year with what it was to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. What is it to be saved? What is it to know the Lord? What is it to be a Christian? And so we felt like it was important to start at the very foundation at the beginning of 2020 and work throughout the rest of the year through ideas that form a clear understanding in our minds what it is to be a child of God. What is it to believe in Him? What is it to live for Him? What is it to know Him? What is it to trust in Him? And what does it mean when you say that you've been saved, that you've been born again? And so tonight, we're continuing with that theme, and we're talking about the idea that we are in Christ and that Christ is in us. So I want to put out this term, Christian, just for a moment, Christian. Christian is not a political party. It's not an ethnicity. It's not a race. It's a supernatural work of God that goes on in the heart of a man or a woman that wakes them up to the reality that Jesus Christ is really the Lord and that everything he said about himself in the Bible is true and that there are no other gods. Allah is not a god. That's a delusion. Buddha is a delusion. These were all sinners that died and went to hell. Jesus Christ is not a delusion. He's a son of God, and he walked on the earth 2,000 years ago, and the testimony that he is the son of God is that today, even in his presence and in his power, miraculous and amazing things take place, not through the desire to get people to succumb to an ideology or to force them into some belief, but wooing them and inviting them through mercy and love. Christianity is the only faith in the world that is not a works-driven faith, where relationship with God is on the basis of love and mercy given to us and initiated for us by God himself instead of us trying to claw our way into something and hoping he loves us. So a Christian is somebody who believes in Jesus Christ, a person who exemplifies his or her life in the teachings of Jesus. Tonight, we are going to be people who exemplifies our lives in the teachings of Jesus. By the way, the word Christian is actually in the Scripture. I don't know if you knew this, but in the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 26 it says that considerable numbers were taught by Paul the Apostle at Antioch, and the disciples there were first called Christians in Antioch. So John 15, verse 5, where you have that at the top of your notes there, Jesus said a powerful thing. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to emphasize that last statement. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And so it says here, Jesus says of himself, that there's this relationship where we have a relationship with God and we are in Christ, and that Jesus is in us. There's this symbiotic relationship of faith and love and mercy working where God is working in our lives all the time. I'm constantly moving my life forward into Jesus. 
And the Lord is constantly working deeper into my heart. This is different than an intellectual assent or an acknowledgement on a rational level of biblical truths. This is a relationship, not just a religious afterthought. So let's look at some key verses here before we go on. He says here in Ephesians chapter 1 that we were chosen in God before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us. That's the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And so what does that mean? This may be hard for you to understand, but before the world was made, God foresaw you. So let's say the world is relatively 6,000 years old, if you go all the way back to the creation. That means prior to 6,000 years ago, God foresaw you. He saw your soul, he saw your life, and he saw that it mattered. And when Jesus died at the cross, he didn't just die for the people that were around him in that day. He died for everyone that would ever be born after him. That means the Son of God foresaw your little life before you ever existed in this planet. You existed in the mind of God and were known by him. And Jesus died for you because he loved you. When we talk about being in Christ, we're not saying, I went to a meeting and said some prayers. We're saying that God had mercy on me and eternity saw my life and did not leave me where I was, but came and showed himself to me. Let's look at a few verses here. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. If you have a Bible or an electronic device, let's just go ahead and take a look at this. Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Let's actually go back to verse 18. He says, So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. What does that mean? Simply Adam came to the earth and was the first man of disobedience, and his act of sin brought all of us into death. So the Bible teaches what is commonly referred to as the act of original sin. Adam was the first man. He was the first sinner, and his sin threw the whole world into darkness with him. So that means every person that has ever lived has been born into Adam. They're born into Adam's original sin. They're born lost. That is why everyone that's ever been born has to struggle against a sinful nature. Whenever you are raising a child, one of the things you deal with in raising a small child is their sinfulness. They want to lie. They want to steal. They want to do things. They want to hit people. They want to tell you no. Why do they want to do that? It's because it's Adam's nature. They're born into Adam. But here's the thing. The Bible here says just as through that one person's sin, the whole world fell into darkness. Through the act of obedience of Jesus Christ, many will be made righteous. So in other words, even though Jesus died 2,000 years ago, today I'm living here and I'm alive through the act of obedience of Jesus Christ to go to the cross for all of us. Jesus foresaw that I would need him and I'm alive in his righteous act and not just dead in Adam's unrighteous act. 
Let that sink in for a moment. I am in Christ. I was born into Adam, but I was saved into Jesus. So Christianity isn't a checkbox on a ballot or a fill-out form. My life has been redeemed and brought into eternity through the one man's obedience, and I don't live under the first man's sin. I'm in Christ. Praise God. Let's go ahead and go on to what it means for Christ to be in us. So not only were we foreknown by God, not only did Jesus die and purchase our lives and pull us into his life, but he wants to come and live in our lives. I just want to say this. If I'm grateful for this one thing every day of my life, when I leave this planet, I'm going to be thanking God that I am in Christ and not in hell. When I stand before God, I will belong to him because I will be in him. I'll be a part of his family. I'll be a part of his body. I'll have been bought by his blood. I will have been saved by his sacrifice. Everyone not in Christ, meaning those that are outside of him, do not have eternity with him. And they have an eternity that is more awful than we could describe. This is why it is terrible to reject the Lord. And we do so to our own peril and our own death. And so, what is it for Christ to be in us? This is a very powerful scripture, and we should all look at it. This is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Whenever we become a Christian, we come into a relationship with Jesus where we ask him to come and fill our hearts with his power, to fill our hearts with his love, and to fill our hearts with his nature, and to show us who he is, and to come and dwell here. The evidence of salvation isn't that I said words, or that I even mentally added it up. The evidence of salvation is that Christ himself, the Lord Jesus, comes and lives in my life, and begins to take over, and begins to take charge, and begins to live in me. Now, if I have been saved, and I'm saying that I am a Christian, and I know Jesus, Jesus should take up residence somewhere, and begin to act through my life. His nature should begin to speak through my life. His love should begin to be demonstrated through my life. His mercy should begin to be evident in my life. His hatred for sin should become my hatred for sin. His love for mercy should become my love for mercy. Whatever the nature of the Son of God is that is recognizable in the Scriptures, when God comes and lives in my heart, His nature comes and lives here, and the evidence of that is all those things that represented Him start little by little taking shape and taking form inside my heart and inside my life. So listen to this. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. My old life, my sinful life, the life I was born into Adam before I was in Christ, is being crucified. It's, it's, it's done away with. Whenever I gave my life to Jesus, my old life was crucified. It's, it's buried. It's done. I am now a new creation. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. In my old life, my sinful life, the one I was first born into that hated God and was on its way to hell, that one doesn't live anymore. That one died. This whole idea is 2 Corinthians 5.17. We have been made new. We are new creatures. We are new creations in Jesus. That's what this whole Wednesday night is about. And so here he is saying, my old life is dead and buried. 
My new life is the one Jesus gave me, and the life that I'm now living, the one I'm living in my flesh, that means my human body, I'm living in my belief in Jesus, that Jesus is living in me, and that we are one, and that I love him and I worship him because he loves me and he gave himself for me. This is a powerful verse of scripture because the devil, I want, I want every new Christian to listen to me, the devil will come to you and tell you you still belong to him. And this is how he tells you this, through your unresolved desires for sin. The unresolved desire for sin and the unresolved pursuit at times that falls upon us for evil, the devil says, ah, see, you still are in Adam. You're not in Jesus. You're still an old man. Nothing's changed. What's the use? Go off the rails and fully live in it. You'll never change. But there's this person of Christ that stands up and says, no, no, I am not going to be pulled off into sin and in destruction. That man died. I have been crucified with Christ. And though the temptation is raging and pushing on me, I live by faith in the Son of God. And today, by faith, I choose to be the new man, and I choose to realign with that crucifixion to the world and its desires over me. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 6, that he has been crucified to the world and it to him through Christ. In other words, the love grip and the bondage of hell that came through sin was broken and severed at Christ. Jesus' work at the cross severed the world's power over you and made you a new person. And that crucifixion that comes upon your life is what separates you by choosing God. So when I was 19 years old and I gave my life to Jesus, I was a really nasty person. And I didn't think I could ever change. I didn't think I could ever become somebody else. I wanted to, but I didn't think I could be. And then there was this moment where the power of God came into my heart and the ministry of Jesus Christ came into my soul. And a new creation was born, and I knew at that moment that the world had died. I was crucified to it. It no longer had a stretch on me. It no longer had a grip on me. For the first time in my life, I live by faith instead of sin. I live by my desire for God instead of my pursuit of evil. And I could look at sin in the eye and say, no, I have been crucified with Christ. Jesus Christ lives in here. I cannot take this and go be a part of that. I wasn't always perfect at it, especially in the beginning. But I'm going to tell you this, month after month, year after year, there was a constant forgetting what lies behind pressing upward towards the onward, towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I constantly had to choose that I had been crucified to this world. I had been crucified. My old self had died and been done away with, and a new man was living. False religions and other world religions that do not know God cannot produce that in one single person. All it does is make them mean and bitter. And Christians who act mean and bitter are either not in Christ or Christ is not in them. Praise God. So we really have Jesus living in us and not just intellectual agreements. Let's look at Romans 8, verse 9. He says, however, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 
Look at all those statements about dwelling. Jesus dwelling, the Holy Spirit dwelling. Christ is in us. Now, this is something you have to understand. A real, full-size, living Jesus walked into your life when you were saved. One more time. A real, full-size, living Jesus walked into your life when you were saved. Do you know why this is important? Because you cannot sustain salvation without him. Here's what the beauty of the gospel is. The gospel isn't believe, get all washed up and get cleaned up, and now you're on your own to go work it out in a good works level. That isn't Christianity. Christianity is I showed up a mess, lost and in bondage. God delivered me, set me free, made me a new man, and then my dependency to remain a new man is daily in my relationship with God. Do you know what I'm going to need to be saved? Tomorrow. You know what I'm going to need it again the day after that? And the day after that. I never can go and rely on my own power and go, we got it, Lord. Me and you figured out the beginning, but I got it from here. No, I need a full-grown living Jesus in my life, forgiving me, washing me, holding on to me every day because I didn't just make an intellectual bargain. I said, Lord, come and live here and be my Lord and constantly save me. Keep me in salvation all the way to the end. Jesus said to the one that endures to the end will be saved. Lord, come and live here, and I need to live by his power in my relationship with him every day of my life. I need a full-grown living Jesus working with me all of the time, not just sometimes. You can never go out of here and fulfill Christianity being someone who says, I believe the teachings of Jesus, I believe what he said about himself, and I know he is the son of God, without Jesus helping you do that. So, God foreknew me before the world was made. He chose me, and he brought me into his kingdom so that he could live in me, and as I live in this world, I live through the power of God. And whenever the world tries to take claim on me through my old desires, old affiliations, I say, I was crucified. That died. That died to me, and I died to it. A death occurred. The old man that loved that stuff, he doesn't exist anymore. Isn't it awesome to be able to say the sins that had us and the lies that held us and the evil that pursued us, to be able to look at it and say, You don't own me anymore, and I don't know you anymore, and we have nothing between us. Christ severed that. And the life I'm now living, I live in a constant state of belief in him, never needing to go back to that. I am in him, and he is in me. I'm free. Isn't that an amazing idea? This is what the Son of God offered you when he called your name. The Bible says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. A hard heart causes us to resist God and not let this crucifixion happen. A hard heart says, nope, I don't need you. I still love sin, and I still want to hold on to my old life. I thought that was fine. That old life will send us to hell. A new life is the power of God working his way into your heart because he loves you, because he's having mercy on you, and he's wanted to since before the world was made. How awful it would be to resist a plan that's thousands of years old and say we know better. Terrible. How many of you are grateful for God? (laughs) You can praise God. It's all right. To close this out here, Christ in us is shown by how we live as people who overcome the world. You can know Christ is living in you when you walk as an overcomer. 
where sin presents itself and you say, no, not only am I not going to do that, but if you just come with me, you could be born again. Wouldn't it be interesting when we went to college, instead of being pushed around by peer pressure, we were the peer that made the pressure? What do you think about that? You're walking around with someone and they say, hey, you need to come over here and party with us. And you say, hey, God knows what you did last night. And if you'd come over here and pray, he'd forgive you, and we could go off here to the things of God instead of us going over there and being destroyed. You know how many people are waiting for you to ask them that question? Another way that we reveal that Christ is in us is that we show love for the needy. Christianity should be generous because Jesus is generous. God so loved the world, he generously gave his only begotten son. God is generous. And finally, it is shown by our obedience in the Spirit. Look at that, 1 John 3. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Here's the thing. I can tell you that Christ is in me because I love his commandments and you can see me living them. Not to get brownie points or to impress anyone else, but because I love Jesus. And God's living here in my heart and he says, son, we don't do that. We live for holy things. We live for righteousness. Enter into my kingdom. Praise God. Amen, everyone.